And now, live from Level 5 Productions on the island of Milleronia, it's The Larry Miller Show! Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America, and everyone who wants to stop being cranky. Hi, folks, and welcome back to The Larry Miller Show. I'm Larry Miller, but in a way, aren't we all? And boy, was it ever a beautiful day today here on the mainland. We are not on Milleronia today due to the needs of work, both for the colonel and for me. And, oh, it was just beautiful, though, today. And, uh, wow, when it's gorgeous here in Southern California, it really is. And the colonel was just mentioning that, well, the other day, just a few days ago, it was even like a winter day, a little cool and crisp and clear. Now, I know, by the way, everyone listening to this sounds like a winter day. You know, what are you talking about? It was 10 below here. Well, I know. But that's the way Southern California is, and no one knows, including me, including Colonel Jeff, no one really knows how to deal with gorgeous weather. That's why on Milleronia, I always make it gorgeous weather. But uh, today, boy, oh boy, it was nice, and uh, as always, the music makes me feel terrific. That's, of course... The Lars Thorwald Orchestra and the Miss Torso Dancers, featuring boy tenor Brad Simpson, asking the musical question, Do kids today still soup up their bikes with banana seats, sissy bars, or baseball cards in the spokes to make them sound like motorcycles? Wow. First of all, boy, does that bring back memories. Good question, Brad, and... oh. <laughs> Do they do they still all do that? Number one, I did. And, uh, you know, I loved, I had a Schwinn that was medium size, about boy size from the time I was nine to about 14 or 15 or eight to 15, something like that. And it had a regular seat, a regular black leatherette seat that they had. Schwinn always made great stuff. And it was just one speed and uh, didn't have gears and had uh, just regular handlebars and a bell on the handlebars. And that was terrific. But I wanted more. And yes, I bought, I saved my allowance and I saved my snow shoveling money. And I got a banana seat, a white banana seat and uh, put it on too, by the way, which is not a small thing. I was proud of that. And, uh, wow, a banana seat. And, uh, I thought, I just asked Colonel Jeff, I thought we called them something else, but I looked it up. I couldn't find any hint of that. But banana seat, I guess we did call them banana seats, but I didn't have a sissy bar, which was on the back of the banana seat. And it was a giant hoop that went up and around so that you could lean back on it. And as you rode the bicycle, you could lean back. Well, it was like a lazy boy chair or lazy boy bike. But I didn't have uh, one of those, just the banana seat. And that was plenty for me. And then I got, with some more money I saved, a California handlebar. I That's what we called them. It was uh, 
no other kind of slang name. We called them California handlebars, which were the ones that went up about a full foot and a half. And I put that on too. And you slide that through and you put it on and you use your adjustable wrench. And then you put the the hand pieces back on again. That was pretty good, folks. I really, really liked it. And ultimately, it was stolen. My uh, friend, next-door neighbor, Pete, asked if he could borrow it and uh, take it to the local shopping center. And I said, sure, okay. And he did, and it was stolen. He didn't have a, He didn't put a lock or a chain on it. And all right, you know, and then uh, my folks told his folks that, uh, well, all right, now you're going to get Larry another bike, which, by the way, I think is fair. And they did. They got me, well... They got me a used bike with big wheels, large wheels, and uh, just kind of a heavy frame, and regular handlebars, and uh, and a banana seat on it. And uh, you know what? First of all, all right, I guess they did their part. I guess they got me another bike. But I never stopped missing that Schwinn. And I'll tell you what, I think of it from time to time now. And yes, that's on the list of one of these days, the one of these days list. And uh, I think if I ever went crazy and had a zillion dollars, I might get a couple of Chevelles, uh, of course, the cars. Wow. I mean, oh, folks, to get a 68 and a 71 Chevelle and one of them two door hard top. And one of them four-door sedan, but, you know, with, uh, well, three on the tree, on the four-door, and then four on the floor, on the two-door. But I will have, I think I will put that uh, Schwinn on that list, too. I would sure like to see that thing again. It was red with a white banana seat, and it had California handlebars. And, yes, I put baseball cards in the two wheels and uh, i didn't know until brad just mentioned it by the way that uh to, not to make them sound like motorcycles i never even thought of that i th- when i read it when he wrote that in i said whoa how do you like that like motorcycles no, that's not why we did it we all did it every boy on every block had baseball cards not from star players i mean we we were stupid, but not crazy. I mean, you know, and uh, so we just had the uh, kept putting them on until they stopped flapping, till they got too soft. But there were plenty of blaze baseball cards then. And at any rate, I loved it. And Brad, you made me think of that. And thank you for that alone. And for your question, do kids today still soup up their bikes with banana seats, sissy bars, or baseball cards in the spokes? To make them sound like motorcycles? I'll be honest, probably not. I'm sorry to say that probably almost all kids today don't even have bikes, I would guess, you know. We got our kids a couple of bikes, and they liked it a lot. But they didn't use them the way we did, which was everywhere, every day. When I was even a car boy, a valet, at the local gem, gem caterers at the local temple, I rode my bike over to park cars. Well, that was also 
because I didn't have a license. But that that's another story. And you know what, though? I sure did like that bike. And uh, kids today, probably not. I don't think they even have bikes. And they, well, just play video games that always involve death. I mean, not their death, but their the, the characters are always the idea. The games are called Kill Everyone, you know, and that that's that's fine. I'm not complaining about that, and um, I can if you want, but I'm not doing that right now. So, Brad, good question, but do the kids have it today? No. The good news: one of these days, I'm going to get my Schwinn back, and just the way you described. Still no sissy bar, but everything else. And by PayPal. That's right, PayPal. I love this group. They're terrific. That You know what? If you enjoy my show, and why wouldn't you? And if you'd like to send a few bucks to help us out, and why wouldn't you? You can do it through PayPal. And instead of why... You know, instead of saying, oh, donate this or pay what you like or join the Platinum Committee, I like to say, buy us some drinks. Okay? That's a good way to look at it because there are different levels of drinking. Level one through five, all the way up to, we're driving to Florida! <laughs> On our Schwinn Bikes. That'd be an interesting variation on that, wouldn't it? You wouldn't have to stuff four or five kids in somebody's Fiat in Massachusetts, which we did, and drive down to Florida where you get to the top of the state and you say, hey, we made it. No, it's another 400 miles to get to the beaches and the beautiful women. Uh, at any rate, though, you know what, folks? Do that. Uh, go you, and by the way, you can get anywhere on this. If you, if you, for PayPal, sure you can get there on your laptop or on your iPhone or anything like that. But don't you don't need to do that. Go to our podcast website. I said podcast by the way because I honestly couldn't remember again. By the way, I like being an idiot. You would too. Just I can't remember the same thing after four thousand shows. Go to our website, which is LarryMillerPodcast.com. Who's on the mountain? Tom Mix. Steerike! <laughs> that poor fella is probably still yelling that for the rest of his life. He's down in the basement now, and his mom just shakes her head upstairs and says, I should have killed him. But uh, you know what? Go to our website because we have a banner there that says PayPal. And you click that banner, we'll take care of it. We'll get you there. Go take a nap in your lazy boy because we'll get you to PayPal. And we thank you in advance. Every little bit helps us keep the old leg lamp lit. And thank you to everyone who's already contributed and thank you to everyone who's about to. And uh, boy, it means it means a lot to us. And that brings me to my favorite part of the show, the joke of the week. I love doing this, bringing a joke into the world. Every week is great. And as I always say, and I always mean it, if you like it, tell your family, tell your friends, tell your loved ones, and keep a good joke going. 
the Colonel and I both like this one. It's uh, <laughs> it's fun. A uh, man comes to the United States from Scotland, and he's here on vacation just for a couple of weeks, and he's always wanted to, well, see America. And he decides it's in the summer, and he decides, you know what? I don't know anything about it, but I'm going to go to a baseball game. I, 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 I don't care if I, I don't know how it's played, and I don't know really anything about it, but it's a beautiful day, and I can go there and sit in the stands. Besides, I'll do whatever the other fans do. If, they, if they're cheering, I'll cheer too, and uh, I'll fit right in, and they'll like me, and that'll be fine. He does that. He goes to a baseball game. It's a beautiful day for a game, and he's in the stands there on the second level, and, uh, well, a batter comes up from the home team, and the batter gets a hit. It's not a full base hit. It's a ground ball to the infield, and the batter is, you know, oh, just tears up to first base, and everybody is cheering, come on, go, run, 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 and the Scotsman stands up and screams, run, you bastard, run, and the guy makes it, and everyone cheers and laughs and turns around and cheers, applauds the Scotsman, because, hey, this guy is good. We like this guy. He gets it. And another batter comes up. The same thing happens, a ground ball. And you know what? The guy, the same thing, tears up to first, and people are cheering. Come on, run, 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 run. And the Scotsman stands up again. Run, you bastard, run. And he makes it also. He gets there safely. And the same thing, the people cheer him, and they're happy, and they're laughing, and they applaud at him. And the next batter gets up. Well, what do you know? Just uh, four balls, and he walks. And as he's, of course, walking to first base, he walks. He strolls up to first base. And the Scotsman stands up again and says, Run, you bastard, run! And uh, one of the people next to him says, Oh, no, 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 it's not not for this now. That's This is a different part of the game. He, he, he has four balls. He had to walk. And the Scotsman now yells, Walk with pride, my boy! Walk with pride! <laughs> and uh, I and the Colonel both felt that was a good one for you. I hope you like it. And yes, as I've said before, and I'll say again, if you do, pass it on to folks you like too. And that brings me to my second favorite part of the show, The Poetry Corner. Boy, sounds like that guy with the cough better readjust his banana seat. Boy, that could be a slang, couldn't it? You know, hey, I guess what I did today, I sat on my banana seat. Wink, wink. But uh, this is a, this is a good poem. And we did, by the way, we did from this wonderful author, Edgar Allan Poe. We did another one last week. And we're going to do, and Colonel Jeff was saying, you know, let's spend all of October on Edgar Allan Poe. And I said, well, sure sounds good to me. And I hope it does to you. And this one is called To One Departed by Edgar Allan Poe. Seraph, thy memory is to me like some enchanted far-off isle in some tumultuous sea, some ocean vexed 
as it may be with storms, but where, meanwhile, serenest skies continually just o'er that one bright island smile. For mid the earnest cares and woes, that crowd around my earthly path, sad path, alas, where grows not even one lonely rose, my soul at least a solace hath in dreams of thee, and therein knows an Eden of bland repose. Isn't that lovely? Good for you on everything, Edgar Allan Poe. And that brings me to my third favorite part of the show. The Magic Movie Moment. Oh boy, folks, this is a great movie, by the way. And I hope you've seen it as often as I have and as often as Colonel Jeff has. It's called Rear Window from 1954. Directed by Alfred Hitchcock, which is kind of all you need to know right there. Gosh, what a beautiful director and storyteller he was. And this is starring James Stewart, Grace Kelly, Wendell Corey, Thelma Ritter, Raymond Burr, and, that's right, and Miss Torso, I wanted to underline, so to speak, but it was played by Georgine Darcy. And, uh, oh, God bless her, what a beautiful woman. And this movie is terrific. And James Stewart is, in, in a way, never better. A great, great actor who was wonderful in this. And Grace Kelly was terrific in this. And putting themselves in the hands of Alfred Hitchcock like that, what a cast and what a story. And he sees, since he's in a wheelchair, since his leg was really badly injured, he's an international photographer, and he really has to spend several weeks in the wheelchair, in his apartment, looking out his rear window. And it looks out onto a courtyard at the apartment house next to his, across the courtyard. It's a very hot spell in New York City where he lives, and he watches since the people then don't close their windows and they don't have their shades down. He sees what we see, which is their lives. And that's how he names people. Well, like Miss Torso, who's a, a ballet dancer and, or a jazz dancer. And she jazz dances around her apartment. And by the way, good for her. God bless her. And you know what, folks? It's a wonderful story. But... It turns out, as they see this happening, as it evolves, as it develops, Raymond Burr's wife disappears. She's dead. She's been killed. She's been murdered. And he's Lars Thorwald. And that's his name. And they, to themselves, Jimmy Stewart and Grace Kelly think, he did it. Maybe he did it. And at one point, uh, Grace, who was playing Lisa Fremont, goes across the yard to sneak into Thorwald's apartment to look for clues about him murdering his wife. But Stuart sees him returning out his own window. He sees him coming back. And the way Hitchcock directs this, well, Lisa, Grace Kelly is in the apartment and he, and and Stuart watches it all. And she's 
sort of moving through very delicately and she waves at him at Stuart out the window and pretends to be funny and oh look where I am and he can't warn her that Burr is back and he's on his way and as the colonel said boy there's nothing that scares him more than when we know what the characters don't know it's called dramatic irony and Wow. And to see Grace Kelly still going through and still looking for this and looking for that and finding a ring of the wife. And well, maybe it's, is that her wedding ring? And she picks things up and in a panic. Now, first of all, Burr walks in, sees her and grabs her. And this is not going well. And Stuart had warned her against this. He wasn't in favor of her going into the apartment, but she said, I'm going to do it. And now it's in a very bad place and Stuart calls the police and the police come down there and they get involved and they take her away. They arrest her as well as a thief, as someone who broke into an apartment and they handcuff her with her hands behind her back. And sure enough, and they go back up to, well, Stuart's apartment and she in a very wonderful move with her hands cuffed she shows Stuart. only he sees it and only we see it she shows him the wedding ring that she took and uh, then whoa the folks the rest of that movie and how it develops and how it climaxes is just wonderful please see it but there's no better magic movie moment to me than whew, that scene and how it builds and how Hitchcock does what he does so well. And he does it to me. And he does it to Colonel Jeff. And he does it to you. See this movie, Rear Window, from 1954. Alfred Hitchcock at his best, with the greatest actors you've ever seen. When things go from wrong to right in a great movie, I love telling the story. I love seeing it again. And... Things happen like that in our lives too, yours and mine. When things start out, well, a little weird or a little wrong, and then something happens that can make it all go right if we're smart enough to take advantage. And something happened to me today before, obviously, our show before, well, Colonel Jeff came over here on the mainland. And... uh I had an appointment at the dermatologist, a skin doctor, and uh, have something looked at on my head, and he had taken tests, and he had sent them in for a biopsy. And he's not far from here, 15 minutes or so. It's a, it's a fine place. He's very popular. He's very successful. And he has a staff of four or five folks, and uh, they all check you in. It's a tiny bit offbeat to me. It's it's a never quite the, as relaxing as you want a doctor's appointment to be. And I came in with uh, some things, some creams that he had suggested, and I wanted to ask him questions. Plus, he had done this biopsy and got the first result a month ago, and he wanted to send it to a different place. Uh, over at UCLA, that he said was much better. By the way, when he said it was much better, I resisted the temptation to say, so why did you send it to the bad place first? Shouldn't you just not do that? 
But, of course, I didn't say that because who wants to annoy a doctor when something could be, well, serious? At any rate, he's there. He comes in to the examination room. And by the way, I saw him in the uh, in the hallway there, there in front of the desk with the four or five assistants. And he's just standing there chatting and laughing. He could have come in any time. I'm just saying. And I'm I'm sitting there on the chair. It's another 10, 15 minutes. He comes in and uh, he's, the hair is all done and the beard is all done. And he holds his hand out to shake hands. And I, I might have mentioned this before, but I've never understood the overuse of handshakes in our culture. I don't quite get it. I never have. We've already met. And it's not, we don't need to continue or to repeat the handshake. I, it's, it's, I hope you understand what I mean. I don't think I'm crazy on that. You want to say, look, it's not the 12th century and we're not about to duel on horseback. Okay. We're not about to come charging on the lists at each other and have things go wrong for somebody. And, uh, at any rate, he does that. He holds his hand out and I'm there. I'm, you know, I want to hear the results of this and that and ask questions so I didn't, and I'm already seated in the chair there. And he said, uh, he stands there with his hand out and for five, six seconds, which is a long time to stand there. And I'm sitting there. All right. All right. All right. And I start to lean forward. He said, just get out of the chair. And I said, you know what? It was so hard getting in this chair. Just if, if you want to shake, just step over. And he did. He stepped over and he's got a big paw. And I, I always thought, and Colonel Jeff thought the same thing. Didn't, aren't doctors supposed to not touch you before, during, and after an appointment or something? Isn't that so they're clean and you're clean or something's clean? What's the point? But all right. Okay. So we do, we shake hands and then, uh, he says, you look good. And how are you feeling? So about a minute or two has gone by now and I'm, I'm ready to hear something, and then the door opens and his assistant comes in, not an associate, not another doctor. It was one of the guys he was standing talking with in the hallway in front of the nurse's desk, and this guy, I'm telling you, looks like the president of Hell's Angels. I don't know what exactly he's doing. He doesn't do anything that I've seen, but he comes in to my examination. I don't know why he's... And folks... He's tattooed over his whole body. I mean, from the neck through the T-shirt. And he's just wearing a T-shirt down both arms, but down the whole way, all around the arms, there's not an inch of skin, regular skin. And they go right down to the wrists. And he comes in and says, folks, he has, he's looking me right in the eyes. I'm telling you, in a way, this guy looked like a mob associate waiting for the boss to tell him to kill the man or not kill the man. He's looking me right in the eyes and loaded with the tattoos and says, uh, and he holds his hand out also. I've sat back in the chair and he holds his hand out and says, it's so good to see you again, but not the way you've ever heard it. It just sounded so weird. It's so good to see you again. As if that's the last thing it is to him. I don't know why he's even in there. And that's the only thing he says ever. Not just in this exam. The last one he was in too. 
and and the doctor says i can't remember his name the doctor says uh uh mr millie you remember frizzling or whatever that guy's name is and i said sure sure he takes my hand the hell's angels guy takes my hand and shakes it like an arm wrestler or like a russian weightlifter i mean he uses his whole paw to and he squeezes my hand and has never stopped looking in my eyes and he holds it squeezed for almost 10 seconds and i why 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 is any of this happening and finally he lets go i i didn't need to let go i wasn't even gripping his hand and he was like a silverback gorilla just squeezing and then finally again you want to say by the way one more time should everyone be touching here this is after all a skin doctor should everyone be touching my skin why don't you get one of the custodians to come by and he can he can grab my skin too as long as everyone's going to grab it well he says to me though so the doctor says uh so he starts to tell me that he's gotten the results back from the biopsy okay well here now i'm listening all right let's hear it and he says something i swear i can't even remember what it was he says and this is just today he says something that's why it's in the realm of of you reversing this or that i could i thought what what and there's a long pause like five seconds and then he starts laughing he says that was a joke you joke tellers need to listen to other people's jokes every once in a while. And then, which is, by the way, it's such a weird thing to say. And then he starts laughing. <laughs> and I, I, I don't know. And then he said, the other guy's still just staring at my eyes like a panther. And then he turns to the doctor, sees the doctor laughing. And he laughs. Then he does the same kind of just stilted. <laughs> I, I don't know if this guy's ever smiled in his life, but he is now. And then so they're both laughing. And this is a 10 second, 12 second laugh of theirs. And then they stop laughing and just stand there. And I'm waiting to hear about the biopsy. So now after a giant pause, I say to the doctor, so am I going to die? And I said it sort of like that. I just kind of blurted it out. But that's why I'm there. I made this appointment, not him. He didn't call me. I called them. And I said, am I, so am I going to die? And he looked jarred and shocked and what? Why would you say something like that? And I I don't even know what's happening now. I'm almost dizzy. And he says, oh, oh, you mean the biopsy? And I said, again, you kind of bark it out, yes. And he said, no, 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 you won't die. It's not cancer. It's not this. He names a couple of other things. And he said, uh, so I'm looking and listening, and then he says to me, that's very good. And I, you know, I swear I almost leapt out of the chair just to strangle him. I, couldn't you have started with this? Isn't that 
the beginning of the appointment? But no. And he says to me, okay, let's put these things down and let's get you a couple of other medicines and a couple of other lotions and a couple of other things. As I said, well, on top of my head, there are these marks that I'd like to get rid of. And uh, he said, uh, you know what? Take this medicine instead. Rub this on a couple of times a day and uh, we'll get we'll go outside to the nurses desks and they'll phone it in now to your pharmacy so i give them the name and the phone number and uh, which they should have but i'm taking no chances here with these folks and he said tell you what uh, two weeks you'll come back and we'll take a look at the uh, whole head and see how these uh, lotions are doing and I said, fine, fine, fine. And I, I said, it's, it's good too. So I put it on here and I just review, standing up with him in the hallway in front of the nurse's desks, I review the things he said. Okay, so I put this on here. And I, he said, let me write it down for you. Which again, I wanted to say, good. And he did, he wrote it all down for me. And then he looked at me very cautiously and said, in a week, Come back in a week and let's take it. I said, okay, just to clear things up. So it's not two weeks. It's in a week now. He said, yes. And he doesn't say anything to the nurse. So we're both standing there. And I looked over it and said, may I make an appointment now with you for one week? I looked back at him, right? One week. And she said, one week from today. I said, yes. Doctor says nothing. And she says, uh, is 2.15 okay? And I said, terrific. It's In fact, it's perfect, yes. So next Wednesday at 2.15, yes, please. She says, you want me to write it down on a card? And I said, no, don't bother. You know what? I'll put it in the computer as soon as I get home. And so I just know it's Wednesday, 2.15. Yes. And then the doctor walks me over just about five feet away to another nurse who's there with appointments and uh, to make the co-payment. And she's, again, these are nice people, but they're just a, a, a little weird. And she says to me, uh, she heard the whole thing. She's only four or five feet away. And she says to me, would you like a card with the appointment on it? And I, I've just said that. No, thank And I said, no, thank you. Not necessary. And she does this. I give her the credit card. And she gives me the receipt and a card with the appointment on it. And she leans in and says, just in case you change your mind about wanting the card, which I thought was a little a little nuts. But I said, fine, terrific. Thank you. Good work. And I said, do I go this? And she said, wait an hour and it'll be at the pharmacy then. For this and this and this, and she names these things. And I said, okay, good. And I went to the washroom there, which is uh, just down the hall. And I went there, by the way, to use it, and then to wash my hands and wash my face because I just wanted to get away from everyone for just a minute. And I did. I came back. I took all the stuff, and I said, thank you. And I looked at the card she gave me with the appointment, and it said 3.15 on the following Wednesday. And I said, 
I believe we said 2.15. And I said that uh, to the other nurse, who hears everything also. She's only four feet away, five feet away. I said, I'm sorry, didn't we, uh, pardon me, didn't we say 2.15? And she in a very, almost barks at me, 3.15. But if you want, we can change it to 2.15. And I, again, I'm looking around thinking, maybe everyone's crazy. And I just said, would you please, yes, let's make it 2.15 next week, same thing, same place, same bat time, same bat channel. Well, I didn't say that. But I, so I left, I did everything. Now I get in the car and I start driving back home. Because, of course, in an hour or so, I'm meeting Colonel Jeff. He's coming over here and we're going to do our show. And I stopped for a quick bite, which was going to be dinner, and then take me to the time when I was going to go to the pharmacy and get all the stuff. And I do that. I go to the pharmacy. And there was uh, an older woman in a very nice outfit. She was 75 or 80. I don't think you see people dress up nicely anymore. And she was. She had a very nice blouse and very nice slacks and very nice shoes. And she she really took the time to dress nicely and put herself together. And I and I noticed that. And I, I felt proud of her for that. Good for you. And... She was standing in front of where you sign in and sign out and so they can corroborate your signature. And uh, the clerk behind the counter is a young woman I know from from the drugstore. And she says to the lady, uh, the man wants to use, you're standing in front of the machine. She was really thrown by that. It was, it was sort of just barked at her. And she said, oh, I'm sorry, I, I'm sorry, I'm so sorry. And she edged past me and I said it's nothing to be sorry about everything and uh, she said I'll sit here I'm waiting and she looked at me and said I'm sorry it's waiting for medicine and I and I, I I looked at her right in the eyes also but not like the other guy I looked at her and smiled and said you know what me too and I think it uh, makes us all a little tense and she smiled at me. It was kind of a grateful moment. She sat down in the chair, which was just a few feet away, and I couldn't resist. She was so kindly and so gracious. And as she sat down in the chair, I just uh, leaned over and said, pardon me, but I was going to sit in that chair too. And I couldn't resist, and she looked up again and said, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, and started to even get up, and I just, I just uh, took her hand in mine and, and smiled and said, I'm kidding, I'm joking. It's just because, well, we are a little tense. We're picking things up. And uh, I said, I just had a, well, a very good doctor's appointment. I got some good news, and uh, she she smiled and said, oh, you must like your doctor very much. And I just took a beat and then said, to be honest, he's a little creepy. But, uh, and she laughed. And folks, the point is, just by extending myself a little bit and making someone feel better and taking the time, the time, a moment, just taking a moment to 
give her a smile. She was in a completely different mood. She was completely relaxed. And you know what? So was I. And that's where the lesson came for me. And that's where I hope it comes for you. You know what? I didn't need to be cranky. I mean, thank God it was good news. Okay, it's not it's not cancer that's going to actually grow another head. And, well, I'll see the guy next week at 2.15. And you know what? What happens before and after that matters more. And it mattered meeting this nice lady, this nice older woman. And we both smiled at each other as I started to walk out, and I stopped and nodded at her, and she nodded at me. And folks, turns out that was the best medicine either of us really needed. So you and I know each other, and we agree on the same things. And we know the same things. Homer is Homer, and Pluto is a planet. So remember, folks, as always... If you walked out of bed today and had a job to go to and a home to come back to and someone there who cares about you, folks, the game's over and you've won. And that's sure true, especially when you make someone feel a little better. Be well and we'll see you here next time. 